kill your needs, have desires. That's what I tell my guys. Like you don't have needs anymore, bro. You've got desires and you can communicate those, you know, appropriately and lovingly, but you are the sacrificial leader of your family. Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. So, uh, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. <laughs> this is so much more uh, intimate than doing it online. Have you ever, you have never done it live? Never. Actually, the only one I did was with my wife. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I got to make sure that when I look at you, I'm not getting. It's all right. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm trying to sit taller. <laughs> so just so y'all know, if you're not looking at any of this video, uh, uh, Kurt is at least a foot taller than me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's been super cool to have you here in my neck of the woods. And I don't think there's any better way to kind of take advantage of it than shoot some podcast, yeah. live podcast episodes. I guess it's not live, but in person. Yeah. Well, we've been doing so much talking the last couple of days. Might as well get some of it recorded for posterity, and also so we remember we're we're actually uh, all these great ideas we've got. It might have been it might have been interesting to record some of our conversations. I don't know if they'd be useful, but you probably could make content out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you're here in Texas. You live in Canada. What do you think of it? I mean, you've been here before. Yeah, I've been here before. I was in Austin, which people tell me is not the same as the rest of Texas. Um, but I love Texas because. There's so much here that is less ordered by higher authorities as you were, as it were, uh, like Canada, where we've got zoning laws, we've got all this. And so there's like an eclectic mix of zoning and people and everything like that, plus barbecue, uh, which I have really been enjoying. And uh, yeah, it's just been a ton of fun, man. Okay. So I took you to Hard Eight. And so Hard Eight Barbecue. And then today you went to Terry Black's. You went, I want, disclaimer, you went to Terry Black's in Dallas. In Dallas, yes. Not I've been the, in Terry Black's in Austin, which is like the original. Uh, it's really good. Yeah. Well, this place is really good too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like coming from Canada, all barbecue is pretty good because we don't have anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I didn't wear my Terry Black's hat because we would have been matching <laughs> it. So for mine would have been camo. So yeah, it would have been a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Anyway, uh, it's been really cool just observing another man. And you brought your son, your eight-year-old son. Yep. So it's always interesting. I think we should just a- attack this right now right from the front. It's always interesting watching these people online. Yep. Especially guys like in the men's, I don't know if you call it men's movement. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the self-improvement, like, the call we're really calling men to be, you know, for me, it's, it's better leaders of their household and their community and better fathers, uh, through leadership, leadership in the family, leadership in the community, serving your wife, and then, you know, preparation and doing the things daily that make you a good man. Yep. So it's always interesting to watch that in person with someone else who's doing similar work. Yeah, I feel very vulnerable because I know that's exactly what we both do. And that's why we're here in the first place, to be quite honest, because when we were talking about opportunities in the future for both of us, because you're literally mentoring me as like a personal mentor. And I wanted to know if we get along in real life. And like you were saying, I wanted to see what you were like with your family. Yeah. And I think the probably the same sort of thing oh, yeah. back and forth. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually curious <laughs> what you've seen. Well, it's really, this is such a unique situation. I really would challenge men. Like if you're working with somebody or you're really interested in what they're doing and you have the opportunity to be in person, 
I mean, obviously I do paid events. So come to a paid event, see me in person, see me act under stress. Yeah. Now I'm not with my kids. So it is, well, actually they are there. So um, anyway, but I would encourage people to do it. It was having, knowing you're coming, there wasn't a long runway. You're like, Hey, I think I'm going to come in like <laughs> yeah. in a week and a half. I'm like, okay, that was really good because I got really excited, almost like a little kid going off to summer camp. <laughs> yeah. And then it, there was like this, okay, Scott, no matter what, you're going to act the way you do every single day. I really had to talk to myself. Like there's no showing here. It's real. And I, I believe you've seen yep. what's real in my life. Yep. And, um, so, so there was that nerves, like, and I, and I, I'll tell you what, I sat down with my family. I said, Hey, my buddy Kurt's coming. He's bringing his son. I don't want you guys acting any different. Yep. And they're like, okay. Kind of like, duh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, it is. So it, it, if you're going to work with somebody, you're going to talk with somebody, you're going to learn something from somebody. I really do think you deserve, or you should take a look under the hood. No better way to do it than immerse yourself in their lives. Yeah. <laughs> and even better than just like a couple of quick hours. And that's the thing too. Like I'm going to meet a couple of guys over the next couple of days while we're here that I know is going to be really cool to see them. Right. Just got back from meeting a man in my group, which was incredible because same sort of thing. I'm feeling like I get to be judged and I'm cool with that. Right. Because again, I brought my son and he's there as a husband, as a father, and he's looking at me and there is something different because I've spent 10 years now online and even though I've run in-person men's groups and been doing men's groups for years now, there's just something different about like you, what you said, immersing. Cause like I'm going, Hey, when's the right time to shower? When's the right time to do the laundry, Scott? When can I use your gym, Scott? And just like managing life around that, you get yeah. to see the person and how they react, how they interact, what the values are, honestly. Um, and it's been incredible. I think I, I have too. I, uh, I haven't changed my, my routine other than, you know, breaking a little work time because I'll tend to work a lot, but yeah. I haven't changed my routine. So it's been really cool because I was like, Hey, this is what I do. This is how my day looks. And then you laid it out. And I think we need to have more of that. Like more, like I, on my event this summer, I told the guys, I'm like, Hey, you're not going to see me first thing in the morning. You might meet, see me jet out. This is what I do. I go for a walk every single day yeah. and I'm not going to stop doing that because I'm here and I do this every single day. And I mean, how often do you have a chance to see or live out your regular thing in the, in the face, in the, in the presence of other people? Cause we all put on this armor all the time. And that was one really big goal is like, okay, if I am as, as natural as I can be, if I live the way I live and talk the way I talk and act the way I act. Uh, then I'm giving you permission to do that as well. Yeah. So I hope you felt like it's been. Pretty, oh yeah. Pretty cool. No, this is, I feel like, I mean, we've been talking for like a year now, I think the yeah. first time I was on your podcast and then you're on mine. Uh, and it's been probably a year. And so I feel like I know you already, but then like here we are in person yeah. and there's no screen. And sometimes I get that click in my head where I'm like screen Scott. And then it's like, no, I could just like reach out and put my hand on you and be like, wow, you're a real human, <laughs> uh, which is incredible, but no, it does feel really good and really natural. And, um, when you say things about how you do things, it's a great touch point for me because I'm looking going, actually, I picked up this morning prayer and gratitude walk from you. Awesome. And it's basically changed the way that I do a lot of things right. now. And it's like a 10, 15 minute thing in the morning, but it's because you shared what you do to make you who you are. And if you respect someone for who they are, you're like, well, what do you do? And I think that it's also very confronting as a man if you're not doing those things and suddenly you're around a man who's working out 
connecting with his wife, connecting with his kids, doing all these things, staying disciplined, up, joyful, all this kind of stuff. You check yourself and go, oh, this can be done if you're not there yet, which a lot of guys who entered my program were like, I don't know, you could do that. Like, I didn't know you could do this, yeah. this, this, and hit all the things. Right. I thought you had to balance between work and family or fitness and family. It's like, actually, if you prioritize and you systematize like you do with so much, you can actually do it all. And you just need to know what's important and you need to prioritize the most important things so that your work and everything else doesn't come over the family. And it is, this, this is a really good conversation. It is really hard at this point, because I've worked really hard to get this dialed in and I've done it wrong for so many years. And when I look back at my day, somebody said to me, what somebody said to me the other day was, and this isn't to pump myself up. This is just to, to talk about the real things. He said, the reason I really like talking to you, Scott, is because you actually do the things that you talk about. You actually do the things that you tell men to do. And I'm like, well, how do you know? It's like, it's evident and it's consistent. And so it's almost like, well, but I do believe that there's guys out there who are saying a lot of things that they're not doing. Yep. And so I think like this opportunity gives it a little bit of that validity. Like, yeah. Okay. I am going to get up. I am going to read my Bible first thing in the morning. I am going to go out. The, you've probably seen me go out the door. Yep. I'm gone for 45 minutes. I come back. Yep. You've been out and about, so you haven't seen me get in the gym, but I do go to the gym every day. Um, and I've heard you in the gym. That was kind of fun. I was working in here, and the gym is right there. And I heard you talking, and I'm like, what the heck is he doing over there? Is he working out while he's doing <laughs> calls? But the the thing is, is it's real. Yeah. And um, I think it's really easy for men. I think most of men are guarded and think, well, that guy's all talk. And that's the first thing we're yeah. going to say is like, and I think that's a protective thing. I think it's important to be protective, but I also think there's a time where you ought to let yourself be in a position where you actually see into someone's world. And I've been able to do that with you as well. It's been awesome. Yeah. And that's such a, it's like a defense mechanism, but you, it's a defense mechanism to never get started. If you're always saying, yeah, but that guy probably doesn't actually walk the talk or talk the walk, yeah. whatever the walk, the talk. Um, but that stops people from taking action. Yeah. And I understand being guarded. I understand being skeptical. I'm very skeptical by nature. And the easiest way to stop being skeptical is just to try doing the thing that the guy says. Does it bear fruit? And you can try things for a week. Does it work to get up early? Oh man, when I get up early, it actually makes me have more time and I feel better and I do more in the day. Okay, maybe I'll do this. Okay, what about working out? What about having a weekly meeting with your family? What about doing this? Suddenly you stack all these things. And you're like, well, if this guy's telling me to do this and it's working in my life, maybe it just works. And who else can I look at or what else can I look at? to do more in my own life. So yeah, I would just say like anybody who's curious and skeptical, check yourself to be sure that you're not using that as a means of not taking action and just do stuff and see if it works in your life. And if it does, the fruit will be evident. Like I'm always looking at fruit and I know what you're saying about like guys are showing something online and something in the back. And I have heard so many stories yeah. about, you know, names that I won't mention, but guys that you might know their names of, who guys seen them in a conference and they're like, that guy's not living out what he's preaching. And I've seen him with his family or I've seen him drinking afterwards. And I see this guy and it's like, okay, it's fair to be guarded, but guarded against inaction or guarded so that you are not taking action. It means it's just, it's not doing anyone any good. So just yeah. start doing stuff. Like action is the antidote. That's what I would say to my guy. I it's love the that. Antidote to average, to apathy, to everything. So do something. And I, where I was going, and that's so true, just, and I talk to people, if you hear bumping, it's because there's a gym right there. My son comes home and works out, which is really awesome. 
Right on, buddy. Why don't you go do some Lego or something, dude? We're shooting a podcast. All right, I love you. There you go. There you go. Um, So real life, right there. there. Real life. Uh, But I what I was thinking was just the other day. I have this little seventy hard, seventy five hard thread going on in my group, and one guy's like, "Well, I'm just too busy to do that right now." actually get it because 75 hard is really difficult because you're doing two 45 minute workouts a day plus reading. That is very difficult. But where do we, where do we cut that excuse and say, wait, if this is important to me, I will make space for it. And it's been real interesting because guys like you talk like I'm up at four, I'm doing, doing this, doing this. And I started to, for a bit, started to compare myself. Guys like I'm, I'm starting work at 7 a.m., I'll be honest. I don't, well, there's a couple of days I start at eight, but most days I like to start at nine thirty. But what I tell people is, I've gotten in a forty-five minute week uh, walk that includes gratitude, prayer, um, and worship. I have uh, read my Bible before I do that. I've done my affirmations. I've spent some time with my family, and I've lifted weights, and I've done my cold shower. And I've done like some prep for the day and I've responded to a little bit later in that part. I, I have a time when I actually can go and look at my social media. Like it's an hour. I, I don't, I wait an hour. So I don't have a dopamine hit. Yep. It's usually about two or three, but literally by nine 30, I could say <laughs> I'm done for the day. Yeah. And, and I, for a while I was like, well, I feel bad that I'm, I'm not like these guys grinding at 7am. Like, well, you know what? I have all of the biggest priority things out of the way. So it's interesting uh, also in the comparison game. You have to be really careful when you're watching other men to be in that comparison game. And we were talking about, a few, we've talked, we've had a few like little things pop up and I want to, I want to make sure we cover those like, like, like these pieces that kind of, as this time you've been here kind of start to roll out for you. It's like, I don't really feel like you were really vulnerable. It's like your son was feeling a little, ready to move. And I'm like, let's go to the park. And you told me, he's like, I didn't really feel like doing that. Let's talk about not feeling like doing that. Oh man. Yeah. This is one of the things I have to check myself on regularly because even though this is my thing, even though I've now been a dad for almost a decade, even though I've pulled myself out by the grace of God from absolute garbage father and husband to figure out like what my kids need, how I need to be interacting with that and how I need to be leading the family. Um, sometimes I still don't want to do stuff because I'm like you said, doing all these other things and most of them are making me a better band, husband and father. But sometimes I'm just like, man, I've got a pretty low threshold for adventure. I don't really need that much. I'm be, I'm cool reading and like working out and whatever, but going out for a walk or doing this Lego game or doing like whatever. I honestly still sometimes will go like a clean more or I could think more things that I would prefer to do. I think that's maybe what what this leads to is I have to check myself on what are my preferences versus my priori- priorities and my purpose. And that was a moment where he was like bouncing off the walls and you're like, let's go to the park. And I'm like, do the right thing, dad, do the right thing, dad, do the right <laughs> thing, dad. And I had to pump myself up to be able to do that and be, do it joyfully because right. I could do it and I could drag my feet and he'd notice. And that's not cool. Like that's not acceptable. So I will do my very best to pump myself up to be joyful and to be grateful about the burden that I carry, because that's what I tell my guys. Part of my ethos as a father is I will joyfully and gratefully bear the burden of my family. And that means that I'm leading with my mood. 
is if I'm with him, but he seems like he's the burden, that's worse than if I don't do yeah. anything with him. 100%. And so, yeah, man, you made a great suggestion. I had to get with the program and pump myself up, but I did. And when we got out there immediately, it was like, oh, this is the best decision ever. Well, it, it's like, look, I just had a moment of clarity. It was fine. It wasn't like I'm, <laughs> I'm operating on that level all the time, but I do have older kids. So like at this point, when they ask me, do you want to, I'm like, yes, right. right. That those, that time is fleeting. But I remember mm-hmm. as a, as a father at the kids age that you have, I remember saying yes all the time, but I would be at that park looking at my phone while they're playing on the things or doing posting. And, you know, I think there, there's this, yeah, I'm, I'm engaged or I'm doing the, so I think it's also, I guess what I'm saying is it's really important not just to do that initial action to look good and say you did it, but also be in the moment and do it. Yeah. And we had fun. We were doing some physical stuff. My son and I were doing pull-ups and trying yeah. to get up the thing. And um, we that's through years and years of practice, that's how we developed time together. Like we see a, a something and we will do a jumping contest or we'll do a thing. And so I've learned over time, like how do I really enjoy just play? Because yeah. I am, I'm like you. I'm good. Someone asked me the other day, I told you this. Someone asked me, what's your hobby? I'm like, uh, working. Yeah. <laughs> I love podcasting. Um, and, and I finally was like, well, I like to go out on a rock, but I'm always like listening or thinking of ideas. And I do want to talk about hobbies and that, but, but I've had to learn to take activities and find joy in it where yeah. I might not normally find joy, but the joy isn't what I'm in, what I'm doing. It's who I'm doing it with. Yeah. And I saw you guys have a blast. You had them running around and you were chasing them and playing games. And it was really cool. So, you know, these, these guys, I see it all the time. They're like, well, I just don't have the time. Or, I mean, what do you say to that? Well, if you don't have the time, you need to take like 10 times the amount of time that you think you need. And that's what you need because especially if it's your wife and your kids and your spiritual life, like, dude, what are you prioritizing? And right. the question that I ask myself is, what am I optimizing for? And a quick example of this is I was, um, like, I like to get up early in the morning, as you know. I like yep. to get my workout in first thing after I stretch, do my prayer walk. And, like, that's just what I do because I feel great doing it. I know my body needs it. I know all this kind of stuff. And this was, like, I don't know, maybe a year ago. I was laying out my running clothes for the next day because it's another tip. If you want to wake up and crush things, Put it out the night before so there's no decision making. So anyway, tangent. But I was putting out all my stuff for the next day and my wife was still up and it was, you know, late, which means after nine for me <laughs> to go to bed super early. So oh, I'm man. up early. No. But yeah. my uh, my wife was up. She wanted to connect. And I my hand was like literally on the lamp to turn it out. And I was like, wait, what am I optimizing for here? And the the dichotomy, the decision here was a slightly better run in the morning with a few extra minutes of sleep or deep connection with my wife. And the question that I asked and have continued to ask since that moment is what am I optimizing for? And that always, always makes me go, right, what are my values? What are my priorities? And I can make that decision-making matrix very clear to go, here's what's important. Here's what's not as important. So if I have to sacrifice a little bit for the most important things, then I'm just going to do that. So I stayed up, I connected with my wife and it was great. And the next day, guess what? I had like a 80% run instead of a 95%, 
Who cares? No. It doesn't matter because my relationship with my wife is better today because of that work I put in, in that moment, and then all the moments thereafter, then it would have mattered if I got that 100% run. Nobody cares. I don't care about that. And so if you say you don't have time, audit your time, ask yourself, what am I optimizing for? And get really ruthless because like I go through and tell my guys to go through probably once, maybe twice. It could be a little bit too much if you do it more than that. We do a self-audit. So like- Time, finances, fitness, uh, relationships, everything. Like where you live, this is how we wound up in Thailand. Like what serves us? Well, go back to baseline. What is fundamental to who we are and what we want and where we're going? And you just audit, is this serving me or not? Right. Based on your values. And so this is why in our program, we've got the leadership and legacy framework. So we go huge vision, bring it back to values and goals and like long-term, medium-term, short-term, all that kind of stuff. But you need the entire gamut so you can make good decisions along the way. And so if you don't have time, that is complete and utter BS. Uh, I see guys in my program and most of the guys are entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Guys like me, I right. get it. I can help them the best, but there are some men in there who need this work so bad because they need to save their families. And they're working normal jobs, firefighters, policemen, uh, paramedics, like these types of guys. And they are doing so much. They make me feel weak. Yeah, They make me feel like I'm doing nothing. And yet here these guys are working 12-hour days, working shift work, 24 hours a day for like two or three days straight and then coming home and smashing their habit stack because they know they could not look themselves in the eye another day if they didn't put everything into their family, but their decisions made them have this particular job and they're not making excuses. They do the things that are important and sacrifice that which is not. And they don't care about the preferences of themselves because they know they will respect themselves and be a good man, husband, and father if they serve those around them. And so you got to get very clear on what you're willing to sacrifice for the things that matter most, man. Like we could go into a million different tangents here, yeah. but that's just excuses are are a terminal disease. I mean, they are they are just a cancer. Yeah. I mean, because it's really easy to go down the excuse the excuse line. Like, oh, you can I can find some I could find ten things today that would have stopped me from being as productive as I was being. Yeah. I could have found ten ways not to do this podcast. I could have found you know, 10 ways not to spend a few minutes with my wife in the afternoon asking her how her work has gone for the day and what she's doing. But you, you shared about your values and I talk about value ladder. So it's not okay, just okay to understand your values. And maybe, maybe you disagree with me, but I, you have to have your values in an order. And so when you say, okay, it's really important for me to get good sleep, but my wife actually falls above my sleep or my health. Bingo. So when the decision comes, am I going to get some sleep or am I going to have some connection time with my wife? You've got to know in that moment when you're feeling weak and tired that, wait a minute, I made a commitment that my wife is more important than my own personal health. Personal health is high for both yeah. of us. I'm going to do everything I can to optimize, to be you know, where I feel really good. I'm, I, but if I could lose an hour of sleep and don't get my eight optimal hours and I get seven because my wife needed me for an hour, it's a, it's a no brainer. Or I get to the end of the day and this never happens to me, but I forgot to read my Bible and I haven't done my thing. It's way more important than yep. sleep and I'm going to do it. And I think that's a lot, what a lot of men are missing. At least I think they're missing this value thing. They haven't sat and thought through like, what is really important to me? And things just get totally out of line. 
Yeah. And I think I, it's only been the last two years since I started using my values as a decision-making framework, because before I was like, yeah, I know what my values are. Value freedom, uh, value, you know, being in in control basically, which is what it used to be. Um, And family's in there somewhere, fitness is in there somewhere. I'm like, I get it. It's fine. But a couple of years ago, I sold a big portion, almost all of my online assets Mm -hmm. because I've been spending 10 years building that up. And I had some time to think about what I want to do. And ego driven decision that I made was I'm going to start an in-person business, a service business, and I'm going to do it way better than all these mom and pops out there. And I'm going to show myself that I'm a real businessman. And who cares other than my ego? The thing was, it was all about the spreadsheets. It was all about the numbers. It was all about the potential for success and the money and the ego stroking that would have come if I had actually succeeded in that. And along the way, I was really hurting And I sometimes couldn't even open my computer because I was having panic attacks. And I'm like, oh, it's just because you've never done this before, bro. Keep pushing. And I was doing that like, be hard, you know, like all of that (laughs) rah-rah thing. And here's where I think the guys get it wrong. Like, dude, that's so important for men to have that behind them, to push them. But if it's not in your values, you're going to crumble every single time. And so what I didn't realize, I got three days before launch. I hired a crew. I spent tens of thousands of dollars on coaches and systems. I had dropped, I bought cars for the business. And I've had like clients lined up two days before I couldn't sleep, woke up in a panic, sweating, couldn't open my laptop to work. I went for a, like literally a 21, it was a, it was there and back 21 kilometers, half marathon run because I needed something to happen. And halfway through, I sat down on the park bench in nature and I breathed and I considered and I looked and I said, I should probably call some men in my life. (laughs) I hadn't asked anybody until this point. And I'm like, duh. So all the, all the, the things that I got back was, well, it doesn't make you a failure. It just means you made a bad decision. You can move on. I'll be supportive through this. And I wouldn't care about it anyway because I love you, not what you accomplish. Yeah. That was huge. So, you know, side point, talk to men in your life. Yeah. The second point was I decided to pull the plug and I considered it a failure. For the first time in my life, I'd always played it safe and I've never failed at anything big. I pulled the plug and I realized the issue wasn't that it was new, therefore it was hard. It was that it was so antithetical to all of my values. This particular project missed on every single one of my core values. And if I had just known that those were so important, and if I had just run through, does this hit value one? Does this hit value two? Does this hit value three? No, no, no. I wouldn't have done it in the first place. So this can save you months and tens of thousands of dollars and so much heartache and all the wasted time that I had and the failure that I felt just because I didn't know my value. So it's not just like I thought before, well, yeah, I kind of know who I am. It's what you're saying. How are you making decisions? And that will impact the rest of your life potentially. And that's why this is so important. It is. It is. And I think just there's a lot of people that don't have I don't think they've spent time on I remember thinking back when people started talking about this in business. I'm like, I just don't even know where to start. Yeah. Well, you just start with a pad and paper and you and a lot of free time. Vivid Vision is a really great book if you're doing like a, a business vision. You you can make these big goals and kind of get this big picture. But I spent like two days just sitting there with a pad and paper and kind of like writing stuff out. And then once I did that, I was like something connected, some new piece connected, like, oh values. Like I got to get this in line for every part of my life, yes. but I had to sit and do the work and be quiet. Yeah. I had to be quiet and not like wipe out all of the other stuff and, and really be okay with not getting a bunch of stuff done 
And that's another thing. It's just slowing down to speed up. A lot of guys want to get there so fast. Well, defining my values is going to take me like three, four hours. Plus I'm going to come back the next day and want to reshuffle. Plus I might, you know, I might present them to my wife and she has a totally different idea. And then we have to have this, this, this is a theme that we've talked about as well is we, we want such quick results. My wife's a coach for women who, um, a weight loss coach or a nutrition coach mostly. And she's like, they want results immediately, but they spent years doing all these bad, bad, bad behaviors and they're eating absolute garbage and they're not taking care of themselves. And they, and like after six weeks, they're like, this isn't working. I'm only two sizes down, (laughs) you know? And it, well, how long did it take you to get to the size you are? Probably 10, 15 years. And the same thing is for guys. The same thing is for guys. You like when I slowed down and someone kept telling me this, I didn't get it. They said, slow down to speed up. I don't get that. What they meant is stop and pay attention to things that really need to be paid attention to. It's like that. It's the foundation of your building. Your building is going to come and tilt and crack and move. If you don't have a really firm foundation, I spent the first 38 years of my life on sand building everything on sand. There was no foundation. There was no, I always had Christ in my life. So, you know, that, that's been very, very clear about that, but it was kind of just there. It wasn't really like in so intentionally the foundation. And I just want guys to just slow down to speed up. Yeah. So you, you coach men that need drastic change in their life. So let's talk about a guy comes to you and he's like, I, I my marriage is falling apart. I hate what I do for a living. I'm in horrible shape. Um, do you tell them, Hey, let's, t- let's start working out for an hour every day. I want you dating your wife every single day. And I want you, you know, um, <laughs> studying for a new position or new role and work. I mean, how do you attach what, what is your methodology and thoughts on this immediacy of return? Yeah. Well, that's, you just said it exactly right. And I think that goes so far into men as a whole, even the foundation piece you just said, uh, because like your values are the foundation to your life, you are the foundation for your family. Ah. And if you are not that firm, unshakable existing, and here's where like fatherless families fail. Um, if you're not that firm foundation for them, your wife and your kids are not going to be able to build a life on top of you. And your wife's going to go outside of this family sphere that you're supposed to have to build her own safety foundation for her and her kids because you're not there doing it for her. Now that is part of it. So you got to figure out you as a man first, because being a great man leads to being a great husband leads to being a great father. When they come into our program, uh, we talk, do we talk about this in the coaching call this morning? I was like, guys, I'm seeing a few men who are being caught up in the pendulum of my wife likes me. Oh no, she doesn't like what I'm doing. She likes me again. And I'm like, Guys, we have to understand exactly what you said. You've been living 30, 40, 50 years in this way. And specific to these men, they want results in parenting, marriage, and feeling good about themselves. Respect, basically. The self-respect that comes from being a trustworthy man of integrity. I'm like, hey, you've been living your life this way. So the way you look at yourself in the mirror isn't going to change overnight. Your wife has... 15 years of you acting a certain way. So you come in and do things good for two weeks and you expect her to just be like, oh, thank goodness, you're back. It's like, no, dude, she wants to be safe. And was it you or someone else who told me that you are like, you know, the first thing you do on a roller coaster is you push against that restraint. Was yes, that you? I, I, 
I don't know, but I have talked about roller coasters because I experienced it last year when I was at Disney. So <laughs> Okay, so yeah, somebody told me, it might have been you, and it's like when you get on a roller coaster, the first thing you do is you push against yep. the restraint. And the reason you do that is because if it's not firmly attached and you go on that corkscrew, you're going to fly off. You're going to very badly hurt. Well, this is what your wife is doing to you as a husband. She's pushing against the restraint, the safety of her life in marriage. And if you're not firm against that, either you're going to come flying out when she pushes on you and she's like, I'm off this roller coaster. Yep. Or she's going to be like, wait a second, this has not always been firm. What's going on? Get me off of this ride. Because she doesn't know that that's there to protect her and to keep her safe. And she doesn't trust that even though you're on there right now, you're not going to be like, actually, this is too hard when she's on that twister. So I'm telling my guys that, look, you have been not there for ages. It's going to take a long time. And so like the coaching call this morning was, you know what, guys? Most guys are like two, three weeks later, like, oh my goodness, my wife's texting me this, this, this. We get so many great success stories in there. I don't care. The first couple of weeks, I don't care. I don't even want to see them. What I want to see is six to 12 months from now, then you start looking at results. Because right now, the only things that matters are that you are doing the right thing for the right reason with zero expectations. And we talk about this a lot, man. You serve your wife because you are a good husband. You serve and connect with your children because you are a good father and you do the habits that we do to become a trustworthy man of integrity because you are a good man. So there's no payoff to that. No. And this is, this is a pattern I've seen. I want to, I want to call this out to men because there's guys on here thinking, Oh, I'm, I did this. I made this change. So here's a pattern I've seen. So they get, they get coaching from someone like you, or they talk to me or somebody else. And they're like, Oh, I need to be emotionally available to my wife. So like men, we want to solve the problem. So we go right into it and we go hardcore. So we, hey, babe, and we're paying attention. We're asking the right questions. We're not trying to fix everything. And guess what's going to happen when you haven't been doing that for a while? Your wife is going to be like, whoa, you're hot. I love you. This is amazing. She's probably, she's probably going to be like, let's get it on. And then what happens when a guy has conquest? He's like, I've arrived. And so then he forgets what got them that in the yep. first place. And the response is quicker because it's been so lacking. Women really need that emotional intimacy. They need that emotional connection. And the guy's like, oh, I'm going to take her on a date. I'm going to listen to her. I'm going to put my phone away. And yeah, you're going to probably get lucky. And then you're going to be like, sweet, we're good. Yeah, a little Just, top up. I'm, I'm good. And, and then two weeks later, like everything's falling apart. This sucks. It's not working. It's like, no, dude, you stopped working. Yes. And I tell guys like every day is like a high schooler. If you, if you have the hots for a chick and she starts to date you, that's how you should act every single day. Yeah. You should be pursuing her. Yeah. And you covered that on our recent podcast, like really, really nicely. So I don't mean you can send guys where you want, but if you want to check that out with Scott, he does an excellent job talking about that on my podcast. Oh, sweet. Good. Um, so go there, listen to that yeah, the podcast with Scott Ramage. Um, but the thing that like, we're so blessed inside this program because we've got guys who are in the program because they were right there. Yep. They're like, Oh man, I got kicked out of the house six months ago, but then I figured it out and I started serving my wife again. Everything was great. We're like cloud nine honeymoon period. Yep. And I took my foot off the gas and here I am in this program now saving my marriage and becoming a good, a good man of integrity because I let, I let the gas off. And so that's so true. And I think that's such a great point for the men who are like results, results, results. It's like, yeah, results are nice, but it's much nicer 
to simply be a good man who will get all that's coming to him if he's focused on other people. That's what we tell the guys too. Like, oh, I already do so much for my wife. I already, I just want her to appreciate it. Like, dude, be so self-referenced, so internally referenced that you don't need external validation. Kill your needs, have desires. That's what I tell my guys. Like, you don't have needs anymore, bro. You've got desires and you can communicate those, you know, appropriately and lovingly, but you are the sacrificial leader of your family. And sometimes leadership means service. And a lot of guys go like, oh, I don't want to be like a servant leader. It's like, look, leadership requires service. Leadership requires sacrifice. You're going to be a good man. That's the only way I've seen to do it. But service can also be leading. And this is where I think that gives guys the permission to go like, okay, I'm going to lead by serving, but I'm also going to serve by leading. And there's this like dichotomy of sides here where you can do both feel masculine, feel like a man of integrity, but also really connect with your wife in a way that she's going to feel that man. Well, you just hit a a nerve of mine because a lot of guys are like, well, happy. I probably brought this up on the podcast too. Cause it's really on my mind. Happy wife, happy life. I don't buy into that. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. No. Your wife will be happy. If you make a leadership decision, like, you know what? I've taken everything in and this, this family is going this direction because this is the way I see. And you're not like choosing what she wants. She's actually going to be attracted to you because you're making a decision. You're leading the servant leadership thing is so incredibly important. It's so incredibly hard, but my wife is really good. She's very clear. She talks to me in a way like when you did this, it was awesome. So she's learned to communicate with me because she, she's learned that when she does that, I repeat I'm like, Oh, I repeat it. That's another thing I would really encourage men to do is give your wife permission to tell you what's hot and what's not. Yeah. Like I told her, I don't know, a couple of years back, I'm like, I just need you to tell me when I do the things that you really like. I cannot read your mind. And yes. she, she literally said, you know, that's really interesting because I think I just expected that you would know. Yeah. And so another level of communication, but what does that take? It takes a ton of humility. Because if your wife comes at you and says like, that is not hot, that is not, but she will come to you. I guarantee it almost Every woman, I don't care. My wife's my wife's a driver. She's very comp- she's very competitive. She's very driven. And I would think, well, she doesn't want to be led. She wants to be led. Yeah, and I hear from the men in my group who are like, oh, well, my wife's really Type A. She's really leadership focused. I hear in my DMs from all y'all's wives who are like, I just want them to lead. And it's like, oh, you don't want us to be in the passenger seat. You don't want us to take the feminine role because you're so leadership focused. You actually want us to be even more than if you were not that hard charger. Right. And that's such a surprise to a lot of men because they just think, well, she's leading. What am I going to do? I guess I'll just be like, you know, the feminine passenger here. And it's like, no, dude, she needs that more than ever. We have a ton of feminine passengers in this world. And and once you start, maybe you have this with your wife, but once you start to act like that driver, that leader driver, it's like a game for her to point out to me. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible. She's like, <laughs> I am so glad you are not like that guy. And she does it like every time we're out in public. She's like, thank you for taking control. Thank you for lifting weights. Thank you for telling or leading your family with strength. She literally says those things. And it's not because I'm amazing it's because i've focused and listened to her and then and then realized she is a driver she is a type a she's competitive she does not want to be led by anybody other than me 
she wants to be led by me and she is clear. And it took me a long time to figure that out, like, and really accept that, like, oh, it doesn't matter what her personality type is. This is the role she wants me to play. And I think a lot of this men's wives, hot and cold, like she doesn't love me. She loves because you're not playing the role she wants you to play. Yeah. Well, the thing you said before about, you know, her being able to communicate these things to you, <laughs> that is so key. And we focus like so much of the the program that we've got is communication and emotional mastery mm-hmm. because look, your wife and your kids are more emotional than you as a man typically. And I say that fairly broadly, but if you don't know how to operate as a man in those emotional um, parts of life, you're going to lose the ability to connect with your wife and kids. And so her speaking that to you saying, here's what I like you doing. Here's what I prefer you didn't do for me. I get the same sort of thing, but that's because I had to do the work to bring that style of communication to my yeah. wife, to sit in, I'm learning how to do this. And here's what a lot of guys in my program, they're like, well, I'm doing this work, but my wife's not. I'm like, guess what? That's still your work. Your responsibility is to bring this to her, to communicate the way you want, and then not to be triggered when she doesn't know how to do it because she's not the one doing the work. So part of doing the work is being able to sit in the discomfort of someone not doing it back to you and being like, this is now my job to bring to her how I can do this and how I want her to show up. And she'll just learn because she's going to be like, oh man, I feel so much better when you bring this to me in this way. Maybe I'll start doing this to you. And then like you said, give her permission. Yeah. Such a beautiful thing. But you, again, have to be able to be basically dead to your ego because you can't, you can have a successful family or a successful ego. You can't have both in my experience. And I would rather have a successful family because I get everything that I want by making sure everyone else has everything they want first. And that's, you know, I think people could take that on context, like, oh, you're doing this all selfish. No. And it's, it's what I talk about in drawing a circle around yourself and working on everything. Like my wife isn't doing, I like to have a clean kitchen and she doesn't clean it. Clean it yourself, you little wimp. (laughs) It's not like, okay, yeah, it's the woman's roller. She has more time. One, you're probably not really evaluating the weight of what she's doing. Now she's super lazy and she's watching TV all day. You know what the best remedy for that is? is actually doing the stuff, modeling and doing and serving the way that, because it will, over time, if you're doing it selfishly, selflessly, and you're doing it without like making a point of it, like, why don't you ever do what, you know, why don't you ever do this? I'm always doing it. That's not sexy, but she's going to grow. You're going, it's the rising tides. Let me ask you a question then, because I see this sometimes where the, the husband will start doing all this stuff and he'll go through the program, he'll do all this kind of stuff. And she almost becomes resentful because at least my read of it is she becomes confronted with the fact that she has work to do and it can't all be his fault anymore. This is, is there, common. Yeah. Is there something that you would tell guys to be able to lead them through that so that their wives don't just get more closed off and more resentful? I think it's all com- uh, conversation. It's all, I, I don't know a better answer other than just sitting down and saying, Hey, I've been working really hard on myself. I have zero expectations of you. And you know, it's just giving each other permission to share. And when this is so basic, I, I have a degree in psychology, so I think everybody knows this, but I don't think they do is I statements are incredibly powerful. And it's, I, when this happens, I feel this way. And I will lead with the way I feel does not create is, does not equate to reality. Let's be very clear. The way I feel may be way off base, 
but this is how I feel in this situation. Don't judge. Don't jump. I'm not judging you. This is just my, like, I'm not going to say my reality. It's a horrible term, but this is the way I am interpreting things. And I want some clarity around, like, it seems like the more I'm improving, the more you kind of act like you resent me. And I just want to love you. And I just want to serve you because I want you to not resent me. I want you to be in love with me the way that you were when we first got married or the way, usually it's before that, the way we were when we first got engaged. And just, you have to, you know, ego is the enemy. You have to put your ego aside. You have to be incredibly vulnerable and just say, this is how I'm feeling. And I would love to hear how you're feeling because if I can better understand where you're coming from, I can adapt and serve you better. Woo. I mean, seriously, if you, if you went to someone and say, I just need to understand how I can serve you better. Yeah, dude, that is so good. We actually, this is another thing that came up in the coaching call this morning. Um, question was something about like, ah, can you guys give me some perspective on this? And it was about what might my wife have been thinking? And I was like, why are you asking us? <laughs> like, this is a great opportunity for you to communicate with your wife. And the, the thing that you just said there, the way that I've said it in my head, and I can't remember who I picked this up from, so I'm not taking credit for this, but it's the story I'm telling myself in my head. Yes. And that way you're taking full ownership. So we have a modified version of the nonviolent communication formula in uh, the dad work program. The only difference is we take drastic ownership in the beginning. So it's like you just said, the story that I'm telling myself is it's like, I understand that I have been a certain way before. So I understand why you might be feeling this way. And when a, I feel B because I'm needing C, therefore I'd like to request D. And that's the nonviolent communication formula, which you just basically gave. And it's so non-confrontational. It's, here's me. I want to learn more about you. And the question that I've had my guys ask is, what are your expectations here? Because mm-hmm. that's so, again, non-confrontational. You don't get into these defensiveness where you're butting heads against each other. You turn each other facing the same way and go, that's our goal. Let's both get there. I'm going to share what my expectations are, independent of you or my expectations of you. And then, babe, what are yours? Like, what are you, what are you thinking about with finances five years from now? What are you thinking with how we parent the kids? What about education? What about where we live? Like, what are your expectations there? And as you can start bringing these reasonable communication strategies to your wife, I think that I have seen my wife and the wives of the guy that I work with end up going like, what There's what, what do I do without any fight? Because they're so used to this. And eventually they will reciprocate because they see you staying in that. They see you being respectful in that and wanting to connect. And so many guys, they communicate to win and to fix. And it's like, for me, communication is about collaboration. Mm-hmm. How can I be curious? How can I build a connection not be right and not fight. So I think, yeah, communication, emotional mastery, absolutely vital. Really good. I think the the biggest key is level of communication. And when you do communication right, and I use this term all the time because I really want to pound it into guys' heads, the way to sexual intimacy is for a woman is typically through emotional intimacy. The way to emotional in- intimacy is by leading the way to lead is just to do. So you've got to do, and then you'll lead. You'll learn to lead. Then you will have the opportunity. You probably have this no matter what, but you need to have that emotional intimacy. And all if, you think, if, <clears throat> if you're trying to bypass all those just to get to sexual intimacy, it becomes 
you're using your, you, she's going to feel used, but I'm telling you right now, you're actually using her. And one thing that I've had to learn with my wife is, and this will, some guys need to hear this is you can't just come at her, like go on a date and be like, Hey, I want to talk about and drop it on her. So for me, I'm like, Hey babe, there's something on my mind that we really need to talk about. I'm not upset. I just, there's something I want to express to you. Is now a good time? Should we create, should we have a date? Like, and instead of us having our agenda, this is the same as when I say, when your wife brings a problem to you, I failed at this last week miserably. When she brings a a problem to you and you just start going into the solution, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. You're, you're saying here for her, you, by the way, if you don't know this, you say, would you like me to just hear and, and acknowledge and love you? so legit. Or would you like me to solve this with you? And yeah. all, 99.9% of the time, she's like, I just want to be heard. And then she comes back for her. It's an hour, half an hour. She's like, okay, let's talk about some solutions. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> but it's like torture in the meantime. And But it's the same when you are starting to grow and you know that communication has to happen. I don't want you to just run to her and say, we got to talk right now because you're going to that emotional, she's probably gonna put up an emotional wall because you've been an emotional wall. And so for me, I'm like, Hey babe, there's something I got to talk about you. It's pretty serious. I didn't do anything wrong. I just want to have an open conversation about some things I'm feeling. And then she'll say, okay, uh, let's uh, sit down now. Or you know what? I have a really important call in an hour. I need to get through this. I need to focus, but I really want to, I do want to, I do do want to talk about that. Some women might need a week. Some might need now. So for us, we have to put away this. We always want things immediately. We want sex immediately. I'm horny right now. I want to have sex. We want we want to have a conversation right now. We want to improve ourselves. This is the thing. We want to improve ourselves. We want to fix it right now. We want to get it done. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start eating right. I'm going to start being amazing to my wife. I'm going to start playing with my kids. Dude, you're setting yourself up for failure. But it's that vision of seeing this is going to be like little micro steps for me to get where I want to get. But every micro step will prevent you from going backwards and it's going to get you closer. So communication is just huge, but you also have to ease into it and develop a pattern in which she's ready to receive. Yeah. And the um, we've been really blessed with so many of the guys. They're so amazing inside the group. And one of the guys has res- has told us recently just what you said, which is like, I just want to do it all right now. And I want to bring this all right now. And I let her do her thing, even though I was feeling like explosive inside. And then she sort of came to me afterward and was like, thanks for all the time you're giving me. And that led to more intimacy and deeper conversations and all the rest of it. It's like, man, this really does work that way. And what you said about um, getting to sexual intimacy, this took me so long to learn. And I think most men uh, will never learn it except for if they're listening to stuff like this, but it'll change your life. It will literally change everything. And you called it the golden key on my podcast. And it is. And the way I say is, first of all, in in my program, you're over-communicating. You think that your wife doesn't need to know about that? Tell her anyway, because she needs to have that emotional intimacy with you. The vulnerability, in a sense, the authenticity, if you don't like the word vulnerability. But uh, I also tell my guys, foreplay's got to be 24-7. And and that is not being a perv 24-7. That is telling her how much you love her. That is serving her. That is letting her have all of you emotionally and authentically and giving her a hug and kissing on the neck at noon so that she knows you're interested at seven, eight, nine o'clock because you've been showing up that whole time with no expectations. Yeah. 
and you're doing it because you love her and you're doing it because good husbands serve and love their wives that way. And it will be, it'll blow your mind if you start to see foreplay as an all the time thing. And the, you know, the bonus is once in a while you're going to have sex and it's going to be so much better because she's going to be open to it. She's going to be more intimate with you because she's got that, uh, what for most men is like a physical, you know, motor that starts immediately. You're priming the pump, so to speak, so that she feels that you are connected. And and it took me so long. And finally, with the communication that we've had with, with my wife, she's like, I need to feel connected first. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. That is the only thing. And along the way, eventually, I mean, hopefully you get to a point where you're each serving each other. And that's a beautiful place to be. But it starts with serving her so you can get her to emotional intimacy because us as guys are typically physical. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. That emotional intimacy. It's really hard to talk to men about it because they're like, I don't, I don't get it. And it doesn't matter if you get it. And then you said it a few times. <laughs> you can't, you, you kind of alluded to it. You can't have a timeline in your head. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do this all day long. And tonight it's on. Whoa, brother, like you're setting <laughs> yourself up for extreme frustration. Yeah. And then, you know, you may do something stupid and then, then she does want it. And you're like, well, crap, I just spent myself. I can't go do that now. That's, that's something I've heard guys talk about. Like I was so frustrated. I went and masturbated and now she wants to have intimacy and I can't get it up. That causes some big trouble and i'm just calling it out right here i mean yep. that's i mean it's hard to talk about but it's reality and men go through this and you there's so much discipline necessary to make marriage successful but once you master that discipline marriage becomes blissful yes and not I think, just successful no and that's the thing that i didn't know and that's partially what I'm trying to share is mm-hmm. fatherhood can be the best part of your life. Marriage can be the best part of your life. And like you said, it's not like, oh, at least we're not fighting anymore. It's like, yeah, blissful is the best way to put it. I am so blessed by my wife and my marriage over almost anything else in the world. And like, I'm not the super emotional, you know, person who's going to feel all these things. I'm good at it now out of necessity for saving my marriage. Um, and yet, out of everything else, business, et cetera, my marriage serves me beyond anything else. It's so beautiful and it is so good. And I'm not just saying like, it's going to be pretty good guys. Like it'll blow your mind if you've never got here before. And the only reason I'm telling you that is not to be like, ha ha, look at how good I am. It's like, guys, put in the work. Because it will change your life more than almost anything. And that blesses your children. When I hear guys who are staying married because of the kids, oh. like, dude, that is not actually serving your kids at all. Put no. the work into your marriage because that, having a mother and a father who are connected, showing each other what it looks like to be in relationship with the opposite sex, that serves your kids. Don't just be in there for the kids. I'm sure you've certainly oh, heard that too. Oh, man. It's, it's so destructive to stay in a marriage for your kids. I'm not saying get out of the marriage. I'm saying stay in the marriage for the sake of loving your wife because that is the absolute best way to serve your kids. And we go on and on about that. I, I uh, just really want to challenge men to understand that the reason we're talking about marriage, you're like, this is the brotherhood of fatherhood, Scott. It's not the brotherhood of married men. It's not uh, uh, husband work. It's dad work. What the hell are you guys talking about? I think if we haven't been incredibly clear about this, I will say serving your wife is the absolute best path to being the best husband. You're going to, you're going to show your kids what to, what they should be searching for in a mate. You're going to be, giving them the opportunity to function at the level that 
you get to the highest of and then increase it. So you're talking about like this longevity, this legacy of really great marriages. And then this is a long game. This isn't a hot and cold now and then type of thing. I think that's really hard is the, the, the consistency. And here's another thing. If you act one way at home and then you're different at work or you're different in the community or you're different in your church, you're going to fracture your wife's trust in you. And I was just talking to a guy, well, he was sharing the other day that his wife said, you know, I feel this way and this way and this way. He's like, I'm doing all this work, but I'm sitting there asking because she's saying you're different in this group than you are in this group. And it's really causing, I, I don't. Like, I don't think we can have this marriage. And I think it's really like the writing's on the wall here, but he's completely blind to it. And I felt like saying, dude, and I probably should have. Are you acting the same in your home as you are talking about it? Are you acting the same as your church as you act at home? Are you acting the same in work? Is Because that discrepancy is a super turnoff. And that's not seen as leadership. If you come in the home and you're the best dad in the world, but you're horrible at work and horrible to other people, it's just as unsexy as being horrible at home. Yeah. Well, we talk about this a lot in terms of the program. Like the goal of so much of what I do is let's turn you into a trustworthy man of integrity because trust is the currency of intimacy. And if she can't trust you to be who you say you are everywhere, and this is the integrity part, are you the man you say you want to be? And are you always impeccable with your word? Well, if you're a different person in each area, then who are you going to show up as? And what's your true value? And do you even know who you are? And do you know who, like, at, at the core, you're going to show up as? Because, again, it's that pushing on you for trust. If she doesn't know who she's going to get, if she's going to get the rock that she needs or the sand that's going to crumble under her hands, of course she's not going to open herself up to intimacy. And you look like a liar. Yeah. Like, which is it, buddy? So, yeah, I think that's a, that's very important. Same with do. kids. Like, yes. as a teacher and as a parent, a parents like, ah, oh, you know, they, they never listen to me or they, they, I'll say something and they do it anyway. And I'll just say, Hey, look, there's two things you have to consider. One, people are going to push beyond that boundary to find out where the boundary is. This is in marriage too. They're going to push like, where am I? Where's that kids? Where's that safety point? Are you going to actually stop me from doing a dangerous thing? Cause they need to know where that black and light, what same with, you know, teachers, they don't, if they don't define that, the whole classroom's a disaster. And I think it's the same in marriage. If you have different operating modalities in different situations, that's not secure for your wife. That's not, it's not what she's looking for. She's looking for her man is going to be the same today and tomorrow in how he responds to adversity, how he responds to uh, intimacy, how he responds to adverse. I said adversity. There's a lot of adversity in life. Um, but <laughs> that's another thing that's going to draw her closer as well is consistency. And if you are, if you're just a slob and you have a dad bod, but you're super disciplined at work, that's a conflicting message. Yeah. And that's why I firmly believe in how you do everything. Anything is how you do everything. Do you want to talk about um, the importance of emotional safety Oof. from our wives' point of view? Because I think what you're getting at here is when she's not sure who's going to show up, it becomes very difficult for her to truly open her heart and become intimate. And I don't mean that just sexually. I mean like emotionally intimate oh, with you. 
because she is from everything I've seen in my wife and the wives of the men I work with. So many women are optimizing for emotional safety or psychological safety. Does that ring true? Oh, I, I, hundred percent. I mean, you're working with men. Have you had that feedback? Like, have you seen this as the more consistent they get in their response? Have you had these conversations? Yeah, exactly. The more that they're showing up over the longer time period, it's almost like I picture it literally like the, the wife is opening and it's simply not safe to do that at an early enough point because I put it again, man, everything we're talking about today is so relevant to everything we've been talking about this morning. Um, I picture it like a heart, right? The heart, but it's being closed up. And here's why you can't connect with your wife. Here's why she's not open to you. Here's why she's not connecting with you is because she has built this shield around her heart because you haven't been a trustworthy man of integrity. And that hurts. Imagine being hurt. Imagine all the things that hurt you. You close off, you you know, make up excuses to protect your ego, to be like, oh, it didn't actually matter, but you just actually hurt. So your wife, because you've not been there for her and you're not a trustworthy man of integrity, seems to put this barrier, this like hard casing over her heart. Now, the reason she does that is exactly what I said. And so that when you fail and when you screw up, it sort of hits the outside of that barrier of her heart and it doesn't hurt her so bad because she's guarded. But when she opens it up, because he's like, oh, well, maybe he's trying here and you shoot that arrow of mistrust and it hits her in the heart. Oh, dude, that hurts. Because here's the thing. She gave you her life, guys. She gave you everything of her. She gave you her life. There's so much emotional risk in the relationship for her. And so if she opens that and there's a crack in it and you shoot her in the heart with that really bad emotional action, it crushes her. So why would she open that up until she's very sure after time and time again that you are the man you say you are? Then she starts peeling it back and it's like, okay, there's a little bit of intimacy, no arrows, okay, a little bit more, a little bit more. And finally, you are the man that makes her feel so safe that you become the casing around her heart. Yep. And you are so much bigger and so much more vast and the two of your hearts go together. And man, it is like you said, blissful, but you have to earn that trust over the long term because she's going to optimize for safety. And unless you're a safe, trustworthy man, she'll never open up to you. Well, and the beauty of that, if you've done it long enough, the beauty of that is when you do mess up, it's very short lived because now you're working in the opposite direction. It's going to take longer to break that. Because you've done so well for so long. Because let's admit it, you're going to screw up. You're going to say something stupid. I just did it, you know, probably today, but I did it really bad yesterday, last week when I'm like, she's got a problem. And I'm like, no, 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 you know, I'm coming in and trying to solve it. And I can see the chaos in her eyes. It's like, I just wanted to be heard. I don't need fixing. And so then I know that she still brings things to me because the track record is right. Yes, exactly. And that is so interesting because as you're saying that, I'm like, it actually hurts me now to screw up like that mm -hmm. because of that, just that visual that I just got in my head around you being the safe container, the, the casing for her heart. Well, your heart's in there too. And when you're shooting arrows at her by accident, that's going to hit you as well. And you're like, oh man, I really screwed up there. You take ownership and you apologize, you fix it. And you move on. It's self, you self-identify that you start to identify the errors instead of like being blind to them and you, and they hurt you. Like th this hurts me when I make a poor decision in our relationship, it actually hurts me not because she's hurt just because I know that that can lead to hurt and that's not where I want to be. So we're talking about, you've had this pattern of not talking and now, or not being emotionally available. Now you're emotionally available and it, it's not right not to be. It's like, I tell people. I've been working out consistently for so long, whether you believe it or not, doesn't matter. I do. I've been working out consistently for so long that if I miss a day, 
it feels wrong. It feels more wrong to miss a day than it does to, to hit every day. And that's people don't, they're like, ah, it sucks. Go to the gym. I'm like, just do it long enough until it sucks not to go to the gym. And it's the same with your wife. And I see a bunch of guys really, really searching for validity uh, from the outside world where they spend all their time on physical or, and this is very uh, prevalent with business owners. They want to just crush it in their work and they have big, big work muscles. They have big success muscles, but the rest of them are weak. I've seen this be a real problem right now, you know, with physical, I'm, I'm hard. And, but one reason I really, and I don't know your whole saying because I, I don't memorize things that well like that, but you say, um, harder to kill, easier to love. Yeah. That is the balance. Like you should be, you should be strong. You should be prepared as a man because that's sexy for your wife. You should be like strategic and then you should be soft and loving and nurturing and understanding like the, you're harder to kill, easier to love. And if you think of that every day, what do I need to do to become harder? What do I need to do to move closer to being harder to kill? What do I need to do to be closer to being easier to love? Those are almost opposite reaction or opposite actions. However, they have to live synonymously yeah. together. Yeah. And this is like, this was my entire thing um, coming to realize like, what does it mean to be a man? And for me, I see the super, super alpha macho, strong business owners who have like just a destructive emotional wake. Or you see the conscious flow bros who are so emotional, but like, you know, they're little asparagus people with no muscles and they couldn't save their family for anything. And so it's like, well, what does it look like to be both? And it's harder to kill, easier to love. And what that does is it brings you into the middle. So you have extremes, polar extremes, right? Harder to kill on one side, easier to love on another. But what that does when you're operating in full truth in each of those is it puts you smack dab in the middle, which is what I call being equipped to lead. And from that grounded place of discernment, you then get to lead your family as a masculine man. So you choose, here's a situation. I can operate at either extreme and I'm good at them. Nothing now is off the table. I just have to decide in this particular moment, as I go through my value decision matrix, is this a hard to kill? Is this an easy to love? Or is it some combination of the two? And that just keeps me on track every single day. And it's like, it's so simple. And yet it's so profound uh, that I think that's why I'm trying to share this message is like, what can you do? Like you said, to be both simultaneously hit the middle, be discerning, be a man. Yeah. And I want to warn men, you're not, well, okay. I did this without coaches, but I did it with a lot of direction, a lot of reading and a lot of study, but my own journey would have been so much faster had I had a support of a coach or a mentor or a program and my wife, I, I've said so multiple times, she does nutritional and health coaching. And her like just deepest desire when she gets on a sales call with a woman is don't pick the 16 week. Don't pick the six week. Don't, don't, don't. I'm like, it's, she's like, please, 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 please do the year because she knows real transformation comes in a year yep. because we're going to get those quick wins. And then every, and this is the same for men. You're going to get these quick wins when you start to implement these things. And then it's going to feel like you are crawling. Is you're watching grass grow and you're like, nothing is happening. And this is where habit stacking, consistency and consistency and support, boom, 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 over time. And you're going to go through that year and you're going to look back. You're like, I felt like nothing was happening. But if I look back to where I started, it's a world 
of difference. Yeah. And that's what I'm thinking. I love about your program is like, like you're in it for like this. You're doing this for a year. And I would say no matter what the whole message there is, it's not going to be fixed overnight. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like my journey was similar in a sense that I got so far alone and I actually like, there's pride in that. It's yeah. like, man, I'm really good at doing the work, so yeah. to speak. And then I kept going like, I see it and I can't get there. I slide back down. I'd see where I need to go. I slide back down. It wasn't until I joined a men's group and then hired a coach and then found mentors like you that it actually stuck because I was being almost like boosted from the back of having men behind me that I couldn't fall down that, that pit anymore. Right. But being in a men's group, a community of other men allowed me to state my North star. Here's who I want to be. Here's when I'm going to do it. Here's how I'm going to do it. And every week I'm coming back, they're going to call me on it. Accountability is a powerful tool. (laughs) Accountability of another group of men who want to support me, but they also want to challenge me. It's not just this kumbaya thing. It's like, Hey bro, you said, because it's important to you, you're going to do this. Why didn't you do it? And it's like, yikes. And so like, yeah, I did a lot myself, but it wasn't until I actually started doing it with other guys. And look, this is, I'm no, I don't want to be like a sales program for my thing. I've literally been on calls with guys before who I'm like, yeah, this isn't for you, but I've got three bros who run men's groups or coaching or whatever. The only thing that I want guys to know is you can go far alone, but you can't go all the way, mm-hmm. at least in my life. And at least like when I look at guys who are super successful, every single one is a coach or a men's group or a church group or like a mentor or something like that. And I mean, within the last two, well, a couple months working with you, I hired a coach, I hired a fitness coach. Uh, I'm literally in a call two weeks from now with another potential coach or mentor. I'm going all in because it's paid such dividends. And the year thing is exactly why we do that. The first thing we do is build a habit stack and accountability. They're posting inside the group every day. And then they go through the vision to build up this huge leadership and legacy plan, which is the family business plan, basically, which allows them to stay disciplined when they don't feel like it. These guys are like you said, oh, I don't feel like it. Or, oh, I've done the work already. It's like, no, dude build your huge vision and get so clear on it that it drags you along kicking and screaming because you couldn't possibly go through life and not hit this. Then we got emotional and relational skills training. Then we got coaching. Then we've got the community inside of it. So like by the end of it, if you show up, you can't fail because I'm also going to bring the heat. And if you're around this kind of stuff, you know, the five people you're around, you're most like whatever the saying is, it's true. So yeah, it is true. It's get around a group of guys and have some accountability and at least take action on that. Well, and I think if you're in a group of guys and they're not calling you out for the right things, if they're like, oh, you're such a wimp, you're not working out, or, oh, you need to be watching more football, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but if they're not calling you on all areas, then they're the wrong people. And I would say 98% of the men are in the wrong circle of people. And I'm not saying just get rid of your friends, dump them. I'm saying be intentional about finding those five people that are actually going to help you move the needle because they're where you want to be. They're going where you want to be and they've they're achieved or achieving the things ahead of you. Yeah. And the fastest way to that is to pay, pay to play. And when I learned I had to pay to get in those, when I paid to get in those rooms, I actually valued being in them. And I'm the same way. I put out money every single month to make sure that I am in the presence of people who are doing the things I want to do better than me. And until I made that decision, because I always, this is another thing I talk about a lot lately, if you've been paying attention, is the cost of action and the cost of inaction. I was always weighing the cost of action. It's going to cost me a thousand bucks a month to be this. I don't have a thousand bucks a month. Then I started to look at it from another perspective. Eventually, it took me forever to get this way. What if I don't do it? 
where would I be if I don't do this? Holy cow. I would be in the same place I am right now because that's what I've done my whole life. Yep. And I'm always making the same mistakes and I'm growing really slow in my business. The month, I won't say the minute, the month I did that, I saw a return. Yep. And it just, it continues to 10x. It's exponential. Yeah. Well, that's what I like. The very first thing that I coach guys on is how are you going to make this decision? Because a lot of guys are like, hey, I'm in. And part of the reason why we make it a you know one-time payment is because the commitment matters. Nice. And if you can commit now, you're not going to miss. Whereas like oh, a few hundred bucks every month, ah, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. No, you go all in. But the first thing I coach them on is how are you going to make this decision? Oh, I got to talk to my wife. Do you? Do you think she's going to be upset that you're a better husband? But if you're not all in right now, how will you know you're all in? And that's the very first thing we get to guys to do is figure out like, what happens if you do nothing? Well, you're, you're talking to me. Nobody gets a fatherhood and a marriage coach. And I wish everybody did. My goal with dad work is that every single man in North America as a father, he becomes a father. He goes, obviously I'm going to a dad work thing. That's the goal. But right now guys, nobody does this. And so the guys who talk to me, very rare human being, and I love you guys, but how are you making this decision? Because you got here for a reason. You're not killing it where it matters most. And so what are you going to do? You're just going to do nothing. And, and then what's going to happen? I guarantee you six months, a year, maybe six years, whatever, but you are going to wind up with a wife and kid completely disconnected. Even if they don't physically leave, they'll probably never be able to open their hearts to you again. And that will mean you live a life of regret on your deathbed. You will have gone I could have signed up for that program and saved my life and I didn't. Wow. I don't, I would never want to live a life like that. So make sure that you are measuring the cost of an action with cut, which Scott just said, because that's the true ROI. What is the ROI of doing this? What is the ROI of doing nothing? It's very easy to see that there's huge opportunity cost in there. And I just want to touch very, very quickly on what you said about the friend thing. I do tell guys sometimes to ruthlessly cut friends. Oh, absolutely. Because dads need brothers, not bros. And there's so many guys whose bros keep them small. And, hey, man, let's go drinking. Hey, let's watch the football. Oh, they all ball and chain. And that kind of stuff is poison as a mature man and not a child, right? So I, I do sometimes, and I know you can't just go all the way out there and talk, guys, lose all your friends because it's very scary and I've had to go through that. But I would be very intentional about auditing that friend group. And if it is objectively toxic, be okay cutting them out. And I've noticed in my life when I made that hard decision, because I was scared too. It's like, if I start being myself, I'm going to lose all my friends. Well, what I happened instead was I lost the guys who I didn't actually want to be friends with, but I was just scared of losing because they're human beings. And I found all the people who are like me and liked Mm -hmm. me for who I was. They came into my life and now I've got way better friendships. I have several thoughts here. I hope I can collect them. Number one is... I want all of you, no matter where you're at, if you're hanging out with other dudes, if one of them says something negative about your wife or their wife, they are not for you. That's that, that is the, like, oh, my wife's always dragging me down. There's a level of respect that you have to have around others for your, for your, um, spouse. And if you tolerate it, you're giving permission to it. So call them out first, say, I'm not going to allow that kind of talk about your wife or my wife. And then if your wife has friends who are talking negatively about their husbands, it's a red flag. There's not a lot you can do about it, but you can say in another, just subliminally, maybe this worked for you not, but like, man, my buddy was talking negative about his wife. I never want to hang out around him again. And she's going to be like, Ooh. and Kim will do that all the time. She's like, this gal is always saying something negative about her, her 
husband and I literally, she will literally tell her, I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't, I don't speak. I don't speak that way about my husband. I respect him. And to talk like that is disrespecting him. And he wouldn't do that to me either. She will literally do that is very uncomfortable, but I would say, watch for those things. And I did lose the other thing I wanted to talk about. And it was really important. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be on round two. It was really important, but it's just so incredibly important to understand that who you're with and what you do and how you do it every day in and out is such a big differentiator in your happiness and your joy. And people, people chase money, people, people chase things, people chase accolades, and it makes them happy. But until you have a firm foundation and a really solid belief system, you have core values and you have a killer relationship with your family, you're not going to find joy. Joy is different than being happy. Absolutely. Joy is very deep. And what I want is for men to be full of joy and their wives be full of joy. And that just takes you leading. Yeah. And maybe the last thing I say, because we probably got to get a stars game soon, uh, which is awesome. When you come to Texas as a Canadian, the first thing you do is find a hockey game. (laughs) Uh, The, um, the thing that like part of my ethos as a husband and a father is that I will joyfully and gratefully carry the family burden. Mm. And I think that men are uniquely situated as family leaders to carry the burden of their family. And intentionally, I will start to release some to my sons because they need to learn to carry their own. But I bear the burden of them when they're young and I bear the burden of my wife because that is my role. That is my job. I can uniquely do that as a family. But like you said, there's joy in that. And when I get around a group of fathers and we all look each other in the eyes and we go like, I get it, dude. I know what you're going through and it's a heavy burden, Mm -hmm. but you would never dream of letting that down. And I want to bear that with gratitude for the opportunity I've been given to lead my family. And like you said, joy and rejoicing because man, it is so good when you get that soul. Yes, I am in the right place doing the right thing. So yeah, optimize for joy as a family leader. Nothing could be better. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And it's, it's the, it like, look guys, we both have a lot to learn and a lot to gain. We have a lot of work to do. I think that's another thing is you've never arrived. We can never act like we've arrived. We have to work at it every day. It's just like chasing your wife. Like you got to pursue your wife relentlessly and pursue. I don't mean like pull on her pants and grab her. I'm talking about, you know, doing the things that got you married in the first place, unless it was just having a baby and you needed to. Uh, but just look at the big picture and understand that it's years of work and there's no better reward. In my opinion, there's no better reward in the world. And I think we could probably talk an hour just on kids stuff because we've experienced being around each other as fathers and how we interact with our kids, which is so cool because I've watched you, you know, working with your, um, one of your younger ones. And I, it brings me back to when I was at that place and, and I've really done a lot of reflecting on like how I did some of that right. It's actually given me a really good feeling because I'm like, you know, actually I did better than I give myself credit for because I really beat myself up on those early years because I was working so much. But um, it's just, it's, it's really impressive. And I think men need to do this is to find other men that they can watch how they interact with their kids and then talk to each other about it. Yeah, Like I struggled here. So this is really, my kid was grinding on me at this point 
And then I, you know, because then we can give each other perspective and uh, that's going to be hard to find. It's yeah, going to be really hard. You know what? And let me just say for anyone listening who's kind of like, you know, maybe this is the first episode you've listened to. Scott's boys are incredible oh. young men. And it's like mind blowing to see you interact with them because it's what I want. And it's dude, honestly, I've, I've done so much work around like my own father and stuff like that. And I go like, this is what I want from a dad. I want someone who's going to say, I love you. I want someone who's going to play with me. I want someone who's going to like meet me at my level while leading by example and by having those hard conversations. That's what I'm seeing. And so, you know, I don't know, believe me or not, but living with you the last couple of days, man, I'm seeing you do all the things that you say you do. So hundred percent support awesome. and very grateful for that. Um, just that like vision for me to follow as well. Cool. So I'll, I'll receive that. Yeah, man, please do. <laughs> and guys listening to this, like keep following Scott because he is absolutely the real deal and doesn't give himself enough credit for it, um, which I'm going to harass him on continuously as he steps into his power, which is immense. Uh, so yeah, if you're listening to this, you're on the ground floor and you're just going to get bigger from here. Awesome brother. And uh, you know, I think there's some big things coming up. I think you should pay attention to both of us. If you are not following Kurt, like, dude, you guys have no idea his content. I don't, I, I got to tell you, and I told you this, I don't follow guys. You're like, oh, you know about this guy and because you connected with them. The only guys I know about is because I've connected with them, but it's not because I'm actually reading all their content and, and following. I don't spend intentional time on, on Facebook or Instagram doing that. Uh, but the power you, you have a way, and I'm not just pumping you up. I'm telling guys this because it's the daily, the daily stuff that's coming out. The words are written in a way that are convicting, loving, and very directful directing. It's like, this is what you do. If you're doing it wrong, you suck, but I love <laughs> you anyway, because I know you have it in you. It's like this triangle of, and, and, uh, it's it's incredible. So you should absolutely should follow Kurt Dad Work on Instagram is where you're most active. But I think it's the the point here is that we all have our 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 gifts. That is absolutely one of you. Your your podcast is incredible, and so I don't. I you guys need to be following both of us. <laughs> I guess it's a, and and I want to uh, I want to publicly. Make sure you try your hardest to get to my event in May, in June. But I know that that's a really tough one. So we'll just leave that's it at that. That's mere months. That's a couple of weeks or months after my fourth. Is I know. Due, so I we know. will see if I can Excuses. convince my wife to have a beautiful uh, vacation in Montana. Yeah, well, <laughs> one step at a time Yeah, because that's a big ask. I told my wife that. She's like, oh, yeah, that's a big ask. I'm like, well, whatever. Yeah. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll try. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening again. Uh, dad work. It's it, he's like, just find Kurt, Kurt storing on Instagram under dad dot work. Dad work dot Kurt. Yeah. And then, um, also the podcast and he's got some power hitters on that, on that. And then his program, as I dive into it and look into it and talk to Kurt about it is incredibly solid. And every single one is like, Oh wow. You did a really good job of just framing the things that I think. Right. Thank right. You. Yeah. Really good job. Cause everybody needs that framework. And it's built so like just hearing you talk about it. Well, I've got this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You just put a beautiful framework around this thing that makes it incredibly clear what needs to happen. So um, definitely check that out and uh, you know what to do, do the rating, all that other stuff and go follow Kurt and uh, be amazing and step into your greatness. 
Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.